Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Kantar and Side Business School, University of Oxford. In each episode, we speak with marketing leaders and share insights to help brands and business leaders navigate the ever-changing marketing landscape and hopefully dispel some myths and misconceptions along the way. So today we're going to be talking about an extreme... Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Extremely important topic, which is how creative quality drives advertising ROI. And we'll talk about some new research that's been done. So my guests today are Amy Rogers, who's head of content at Walk Creative, and Kantar's Duncan Southgate, who's senior director, creative and media. So welcome to both of you. So let's start with you, Amy. Just describe very briefly your current role at Walk. What is it that you do? Hi, Jane. Thanks for having me. So yeah, my current role is head of content for Walk Creative. So Walk Creative is one of our kind of newer content hubs. It groups together creative effectiveness focused content. So that's evidence, best practice, inspiration on that topic, together with tools and data to help advertisers and agencies benchmark their work and improve the effectiveness of their creative investment. It's also the home of our annual rankings in creativity, media and effectiveness, which are based on award show wins. And that'll be out in a couple of months time. So yeah, head of content in all the things creative effectiveness. Brilliant. And Duncan, tell us a little bit about your role and also some of the products and solutions that are occupying your mind at the moment. Yeah. Hi, Jane. So creative and media. So on the media side, That's an integrated portfolio of solutions which help clients identify which media are helping build their brands. So whether you're looking at paid media, digital media, TV, out of home, radio, et cetera, or if you're looking at owned and earned touch points, we've got solutions that help you identify the brand building power of those. So I'm, I oversee a, a small team working on product developments to enhance and improve those products. And on the creative side, it's a huge pleasure to be working on 
our Link industry leading creative test, which we'll be talking about in a bit more detail today. So again, I have a, a team, we work with a, a broad team across Cantar, making lots of updates to the, the different versions of that product. Fantastic. So let's come on to the topic at hand, which is about creative qualities. I think we all instinctively know that getting your ads right is important and making sure they're doing the job that they're supposed to do is important. But We do see a gap between how much it drives profitability and also how important it's considered to be in our annual study, Media Reactions. So there's a sort of gap, if you like, between the instinctive need for creative quality and the actual ability or willingness even of advertisers to perhaps take it as seriously as they should. So do we think creative quality is perhaps under threat or even undervalued by the industry, Amy? Yeah, it's a really interesting area. It's something we've covered at Walk a lot. We published a white paper back in 2020, which was a collaboration with James Herman and Peter Field, and that introduced the term creative commitment. And that's a, a composite measure of campaign spend, duration, and number of media channels used. And what that research found is a decline in creative commitment over a period of of about five years leading up to that publication. And what perhaps that points to is that undervaluation of creativity by the industry up to that point. But actually, as Peter Field made famous, it's probably more an over-reliance on performance channels. So those channels that have got that immediate impact, but with a short tail, that has meant creativity has suffered And I think that's then been compounded over the last couple of years by, obviously, by the economic and social turmoil that we've had. And that's left marketers in a a tough spot in terms of how and where to invest in unprecedented times. And I think that though there's a proven strong link between creativity and effectiveness, you know, multiple studies have concluded that that gap is really evident between the two, between creativity can sometimes be seen as a bit intangible, what makes one piece of creative work and another not, and how to precisely measure the return on investment in creativity versus your spend on media, for example, that can be really difficult. And I think there's also a sense of risk associated with creativity sometimes. I'm going to steal a line from Faris Jacob, who wrote an opinion piece for Walk recently on the subject. Faris, for those that don't know, has a strategic and creative consultancy and he often writes for Walk. And he said, creativity itself seems scary to many people because it's about change. And we have an implicit belief that the status quo is safe. And I think that's a really neat way of putting it. There's, there's definitely this implicit risk associated with creativity. But in Walk's research, we find time and time again in award-winning work, that risk often leads to reward. And Duncan, what's your view on this? How risky do marketers perceive creativity to be? Are they taking the quality seriously? And especially also with digital as well. We have many more types of advertising now for marketers to contend with. What's your view on that? Similar to Amy's, really, I think there's a danger that creative quality gets a a bad name. So that on the negative side, when you hear people, some people waxing lyrical about the good old days of creative. And that's why I think if if you're seen to be overcommitted to creative quality, you're a sucker for, well, we need longer. We need a massive production budget. We need to spend a year honing this TV ad till it is absolutely perfect. And then we'll stick our one brilliant TV ad out and the whole world will flock to buy our product. And obviously, if you're pining for the old days, then you probably are spending too much time on your creative production. But creative quality has moved on, not just because of the massive number of digital channels for which you've got to customize that creative, but also because the kinds of content and the production values that consumers are expecting are massively different today. So being authentic in lots of different places where people are spending time requires a very different type 
of creative quality. So I, th- I think that as long as creative quality doesn't get tarnished with that brush of holding on to the good old days, then I think we've got a better chance of making sure that people do stay committed to creative, investing in the right kind of creative production and adaptation effort that is now needed. So let's move on to celebrating creativity and what we can learn from ads that win awards. Obviously, there are lots of award ceremonies. The industry pays great attention to them, but sometimes it might be that there's too much placed on some of the more exceptional ads, which are run in very special circumstances, rather than the perhaps the more workaday ads that need to do a good job around the year. Amy, what do you think we can learn from award-winning ads? I think there's always iterative learning happening. I think obviously at Walk, as you know, the foundation of Walk's content is many thousands of case studies, most of which have been entered into or won at effectiveness awards shows. And I think a lot of these cases have got really rich data in them, like ROI that we're going to talk about today, like the media mix, like um, results metrics that allow others to see what's worked and how well it worked and get inspiration from that. I think we're, we're quite lucky in this industry to have a really strong award system that promotes the sharing of, of what good looks like with others. Now, obviously, it would be great if there were more examples of what didn't work as well, of failure. You can often learn as much from that as you can from, you know, what, what did work. But unsurprisingly, brands aren't as willing to to share those examples with us. But we can use the breadth and depth of case studies that we do have to conduct research into. We're working at Walk on a number of different ways to analyse those case studies, including layering other data sources onto them to build stories, just like we've done with this piece with, with Kantar. What can we learn from winning ads? Burnett and Field have done a lot of research into the IPA data bank. Yes, the majority of those are kind of exceptional ads. Does it tell us something interesting about good ads? Yes. But then those patterns have been also found to be repeated in other larger data sets by other people. And if you use these kind of ads as, as representative, you know, without question, then I guess it can be problematic. But if you can, if you kind of approach it as an interesting set of campaigns that have been judged and tied consistently and, and therefore give you an opportunity to, to generate hypotheses to test on larger data sets, then I think then good ads, they're a strong base to start with as any. So Duncan, we also run the Kantar Creative Effectiveness Awards once a year based on our link data and all of our testing of ads. What do you think we learn there? And is what we're looking at there perhaps the ROI generators that are more important to advertisers? Yeah, I mean, I guess we don't want to get into our awards are better than your awards kind of conversation because I think they each serve their own purpose, right? So, I mean, CAN is, is massively inspiring for the how far you can stretch some creative topics and how much people are obsessing about a particular creative theme or you learn about new approaches to creativity that way. But what we have done is make sure that we've got the creative and effective layer in. So the FEs is, is another awards that does a great job there. But what we've done with the Kantar Creative Effectiveness Awards, I think, is useful. We've By looking at the things that have floated to the surface within a very broad population, not just being things that were being entered, none of these have been entered. We've just looked through our data sets and seen you know, what's, what's performed best on both short-term sales generation and long-term brand building. And then every year we find new trends and emerging across the winners. So two of the sparks that we highlighted this year were this one trend that's clear is that there's some digitization happening of more TV ads. So people are learning from the style and approach that is 
popular online and that's changing the kinds of ads that work well on TV. But then an- another one was um, sort of a quite a really interesting spark for me was this idea of show don't tell, which people have been saying for years and years and years. But for me, the idea that a good product demonstration or a, a good demonstration of the brand experience can still be emotionally engaging, can still be very effective you know, in these times where we, we're trying to get to other le- levels of brand purpose and inclusivity and diversity, all of those things can still be actually appropriate, even if you're doing just a quite, quite basic product demo. So it, it always makes sense to, to look at what's working best today. I enjoy looking at the winners of the Creative Canter Creative Effectors Awards a lot, and I'm looking forward to the, the edition that's coming up again fairly soon. Great. So let's move on to the actual topic at hand, which is this new validation, this new joint piece of work between Cantor and Walk. I think first, Amy, we probably need to understand a little bit about your ROI database, what's in there and how how is it used? The ROI database is just that. It's a, it's a database of ROI figures that are taken from case studies that we've published on Walk since the year 2000. So any case study that contains a return on marketing investment data based on either profit or revenue is included in that database. And then we use this data to look at the ROI averages across successful campaigns, across sectors and by budget. And then we can also use the data to allow our clients to, to benchmark their own campaigns against. So they can go in and enter their campaign details and see where they sit against similar campaigns in the database. And we write an annual report on that data. Uh, The latest uh, version is about to be published, actually. So that latest iteration is based on 1,287 case studies that contain ROI data. So it's a fairly good base to look into ROI. And we obviously do some checking to make sure that it's been calculated correctly. So at the last check, the median profit ROI across those case studies uh, is 2.36 to 1. Obviously, due to the nature of the case studies we're looking at, and that's award entries and award winners, that's probably a ratio that is reflective of more of the short-term payback of the campaigns, and then the long-term return will typically be significantly higher than that, so probably about double that. But because we're looking at case studies, award entries, it's brought down slightly. But yeah, that's our ROI database. And Duncan, tell us a bit then about how this idea for the validation started. What is it that you were sort of seeking to prove? Yeah, well, I mean, at a high level, we're looking to help move the conversation on about how creative quality drives profitability. In our case, what we were using as our measure of creative quality was Link Test, which is, I think, the industry-leading way of testing creative. Um, Now 250,000 ads in our Link copy testing database. You know, for those that aren't familiar with it, it's, a, it's primarily a survey-based approach, showing ads to people, asking them what they think of them. But there are behavioral and neuroscience elements that help us diagnose and understand how people are responding to those ads as well. The link's been around for a while now, and it's got a fantastic heritage or history of validating to prove that the metrics that are asked in Link actually impact things that matter in real life. So there's been a sales validation of Link for about 20 years now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. But more recently, we've been updating some of those validations. So there's now a um, within Link, uh, a long-term equity validation, you know, will my ad build the brand for the long-term? And just in 2022, we proved that um, Link doesn't just drive sales, but it, we proved that, that it actually drives sales volume. So that was what we, we had. And then with the conversations um, that we've been having with Amy, we had this new opportunity to link to this profitability measure. So we've proven that a good ad drives sales, but we hadn't necessarily shown up until this point that a good ad drove the profitability of your campaign. And that was what we set out to do with this investigation. And what was your motivation, Amy? What did you want to prove, you know, working with Cantor? Why is this important for Walk? So, well, like I said earlier, our case study database is always a good place to start with research pieces, but with all data sets, it has its limitations. With this one, we've already pointed to the constraint. It's that the databases of award winners and entrants. And so in their nature, they are more likely to be successful campaigns. So I guess the question that we have on, on our databases, are these campaigns representative of all ads? And knowing that would allow clients to know if they're benchmarking themselves against the best or against the average in their sector, for example. So this piece of work came out of a broader piece of work that we're doing to layer other sources of data onto our own to validate the conclusions that that we're making to check if our data set's representative or how skewed towards good it was and to mitigate for that by by adding additional data. We know, for example, that brand size and media costs have a big impact on return on media investment. We'd like to be able to account for those factors when comparing across brands and categories and geographies. It's a process we're still going through, but this work with Kantar was a step in that journey and the creative quality piece is is a really nice addition to, to our ROI work. Okay, so let's come on to the actual actual meat here, which is what we've actually learned from this new validation and what we think the implications are for industry. So Duncan, can you just tell us what did we actually learn from this piece of work about creative quality? Well, the good news was that we were able to match some ads, first of all. So Polly Wynne-Jones, who's a colleague of ours, managed to match 450 ads from the Kantar Link database to the Walk ROI dataset. And of those, we were then able to split them into ones that did less well on our creative quality measure and better. And in total, give the headline conclusion first, is that overall, the return on marketing investment profit is four times higher for ads that are getting a high creative quality score in link versus the ones that are getting a low score. I guess it's worth just explaining how we got what we used as our measure of creative quality. And what we did there was we combined our short-term sales likelihood measure with our likelihood that it will build long-term brand equity. And that was what we use as our overall creative quality score. It's the same score we use every year to pick the winners for the Kantar Creative Effectiveness Awards. So that was the, the headline finding, which was very, very reassuring indeed. So we've got that evidence, the new evidence that creative quality drives profitability. And what was then really interesting was then within that, of the two measures, the two composite pieces, we've got um, the short-term sales likelihood and the long-term equity metric, it was the long-term equity metric that had a slightly stronger relationship of the two with profitability. You know, we got, we went into this quite open-minded, I think, but of, of the two metrics, it was the longer-term metric that had the slightly stronger impact on the on, on profitability. 
So that reinforces the notion that perhaps marketers should continue to take brand building abilities of advertising seriously because it's not just a sort of a faraway concept. It is driving future demand and it is driving profitability. So that's that's a very interesting finding. And Amy, is there anything that you think you can do with this finding? Well, how can you take this forward in, in your work? Yeah, I, I, it's a really important finding that the longer term measures are more important in generating profitability. I think in the current economic climate, it's really difficult to get buy-in for the kind of budgets that result in in that long-term ROI. Some of you might have seen Grace Kite's recent ARC study that concluded that was into a a huge database of ROI data. And it showed that there's still a lot of underspending in marketing versus the optimum. So there's still a lot of untapped potential for brands to grow through more creative commitment, through higher emphasis on creative quality. But, But yeah, right now, particularly in the UK, as as prices are going up, our consumers going to be able to keep choosing brand over value. So how can Walk take that forward? I mean, our, our purpose has always been to try and help advertisers and brands to optimise their media mix, their spend, and improve their, the effectiveness of, of their marketing. And part of that is delivering research like this that will help them to convince their seniors of the budget needed to continue that growth. And even in difficult economic environments, it continues to be really important. And Duncan, what do you think this means for ad testing from our point of view? Um, does it does it mean that marketers should be doing more of it or taking the results more seriously? What does it mean for from your point of view? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there was already strong evidence that ad testing would help you understand whether your ad was going to work in market. I think there's a very, very helpful cherry on top. It does elevate the idea that you, you're not just building short-term sales, you're build, driving a long-term brand, that will ultimately end up in greater profitability. I think it, it aligns quite neatly, actually, with Walk's um, creative effectiveness ladder, because I said I went into this exercise quite open-minded, but the Walk philosophy is that, you know, if you have a decent ad, but I think it's the third step, you've got a good idea, we've executed it quite well, then your third step is you'll get to sales, but the fourth step is you'll build the brand. But the fifth step is you'll start to drive long-term ROI. So, so the hierarchy that is set out by the creative effectiveness ladder, if you like, we've now proven that the link copy testing doesn't just get you to steps three and four. It helps you see whether you're going to go to step five. So, so I quite, I quite like it in that sense. But yeah, I don't, I don't think this uh, fundamentally changes the way you need to test unless you're testing without using an approach which doesn't have both short-term and long-term metrics. And that's, I think, something we, we believe is very important. Sammy, just to wrap up, let's think about the importance of creative quality going forward. What what should marketers be thinking about in 2023 and beyond? I think research like this that kind of shows that link between creativity and effectiveness. I said earlier, there's multiple pieces out there that kind of show that link. And this is just another one on top of that. I think for marketers, there's often a gap. I think often creatives don't err into measuring effectiveness and strategists find it difficult to measure creativity. And I think what our kind of mission is going to be continued going forward for marketers is, is to think about bridging that gap. So to make sure that creativity is always linked to effectiveness. And I think that's probably what marketers do need to think about over the next year. Duncan mentioned the creative effectiveness ladder that we have at Walk earlier. And, and that's kind of our way of giving people a framework to, to optimize that marketing investment and show what it takes to reach that top echelon of marketing that we call an enduring icon. It delivers long-term brand and sales growth. So using tools like that and 
I'm sure there are plenty of others out there to, to kind of help them along that journey. I, th- I think it's an important thing to think about to help them rationalise what Lesbonette refers to as the irrational emotional power of creativity. And Duncan, for you, what developments do you see happening in the near future and the kind of skill sets that, uh, that are needed to, to match them? Yeah, well, I think within the insights community of marketing, I think the new skills that people need is they need to bring more speed and more flexibility to their survey testing so that more of this can happen. One way they'll be able to do that is to also embrace AI more. I think we're very uh, optimistic about how AI will be able to blend with and enhance survey-based testing so that there's, you can not just use AI testing to for compliance, for just checking against brilliant basics, but also you can really start to test for some of these key measures we're talking about, whether whether um, you can predict those um, outcomes through AI testing. So we expect that to scale quite a lot. So that's on the insight side. I think on the actual kind of development of creative and the, the kind of marketeer skill sets that are needed. I mean, it, it's really just getting on top of the key trends that we're seeing in these award ceremonies. And so you, you obviously need to have excellence across all channels, but especially the digital ones and new platforms are coming along all the time. So, you know, paying attention to what's winning in the YouTube awards and, uh, is, and looking at what's working on TikTok is hugely important. You've got to be able to communicate purpose or sustainability messaging without preaching. And that's obviously quite a tricky new skill. And you've got to be able to communicate very inclusively without stereotyping. We're doing a lot of work to measure how people are doing on that. So upskilling on all of those hot trends or hot topics is, is I think, going to be a, um, a continued focus in 2023. You've been listening to Future Proof from Kantar and Side Business School. For all episodes and more information, visit kantar.com or oxfordfutureofmarketing.com. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.